I tell you, I love this church. You know, this church is on the move. This church is changing things. This church wants you changed, wants the community changed, wants lives changed, all for the glory of God. They want to see you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Praise God for that. I want to thank Pastor Otis for having us, and I want to thank Corey and Pastor McKenzie, Pastor Stacy, and all the people that work here. I tell you, this is a working church. This church is, wants you involved in the things of God. And folks, I just want you to read, just to understand something. This is the only time in all of eternity that you have to make a difference in the kingdom of heaven. When your heart stops beating and your lungs quit breathing, your work is over. People say all the time, oh, when I get to heaven, I'm going to testify. Who are you going to testify to? (laughs) What difference is it going to make? You're in glory with everybody else. You've made it. We need to be testifying down here. We need to be the witness. Oh, I'm going to witness. Who are you going to witness to? I'm going to give. Who are you going to give to? Folks, we need to be about the Father's business today. We need to be about reaching people, the lost, the people that are hurt, the sick, the wounded, the ones that are forgotten, the ones that we're going to learn about are in the shadows. We need to be reaching and being about the Father's business today. And as I said this morning, I love this praise team. I could sit and just listen to them. I could just worship with them. I don't know about you, but as I'm listening and worshiping, the Lord's speaking to me. Some of the best messages I get is when I'm in the midst of praise and worship with what God's doing. And I don't mean that when I'm sitting down, I'm writing. Let me tell you, I'm a writer. I like to write things down. I did that in medical school. When I was in medical school, even though I was in medical school, went through college, and you think, well, you're there. You made it through college and undergraduate. Now you're in medical school. Well, the first thing they did at the University of Virginia where I went there, they said, uh, we're going to offer a course now for tonight, next two nights on how to study. I thought, we're in medical school. We've made it. We've gone through all this undergraduate stuff, and you want to know how to teach us to study? But I went to it anyway. I wanted to see what they had to say. And they said, when you're in class, you'll have all your outlines. But take notes. Take notes. Don't pay attention to the outline. Don't just sit there because if you're taking notes, you're at least awake. You're conscious. You're not asleep. And you're allowing things to come in in order to write it down, you have to hear it. And then you have to regurgitate it and write it down. And so it's a second pass as you write it. And so I've adopted that in the church. When I came to church, I walked up to my pastor when I came back from medical school and I had the Bible in my hand. And I remember after one of the services, I walked up to him. I said, you know, when I was in school, they handed me a book. And said, if you know everything in this book, it's about this thick. You know everything about medicine. I handed him the Bible and said, I don't know hardly anything in here. Would you teach me? Wow. Wow. 
He taught me some things. I paid attention. And now I want to share some things with you today. So I appreciate you all and I pray that you're blessed by this service. Let's turn to Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. And oh, by the way, before we get started, I have written a book. As you know, I was here a few months ago and I was diagnosed with a terminal malignancy 24 years ago called mantle cell lymphoma. Even today that most people die from this, they try to give them stem cell harvesting techniques and they give them chemotherapy for the rest of their life and they still don't make it. But God healed me 24 years ago and I'm here today. I've taken my experiences as a medical physician as well as being on both sides of the best rails as a patient and on the other side as a physician. And I've written a book that brings encouragement and brings the power of God, reaching for the healing power of God to come against sickness and disease and whatever you face. And this is a wonderful resource. It'll teach you and make, it'll open up your eyes to healing. I'm a doctor. I just diagnose and treat. But I know the one that heals. And he's healed all manners of sickness and disease. It's $15. We didn't really come prepared. We brought just a few copies. So if you want some and you're fighting a disease or you know somebody that's sick that's fighting cancer, this is a tremendous book that will bring encouragement and healing into their lives. And we're receiving testimonies all over of how God is using this to touch people's lives and heal them. In Acts chapter 3, we're going to a very familiar uh, scripture. It's called, Activate the Man at the Gate. Now, Peter and John went up together into the temple, into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him, with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength, And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered into the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking, praising God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, let's look at these two characters, Peter and John. Let me talk about Peter first. Peter, he was the first disciple to be called. Peter was always the head of everything. Seems like Peter was right at the top. He was the first disciple to be called. He was the first to be named an apostle. He was the first apostle to recognize Jesus as the Messiah there at Caesarea Philippi. He was the first apostle uh, to witness the resurrection and the first apostle to proclaim salvation to the Gentiles. And when you look at Peter and John, they epitomize the characteristics of Christ that I want to have in my life. And I want to have what they had operating in me. Peter was a man of what I call faith and action. He was all the time jumping into things before he thought. Amen? He was a man of faith and action. He didn't let the storm bother him. He didn't let the waves bother him that night on the stormy sea when Christ came walking to him out on that stormy sea. 
Jesus said, come, Peter just jumped out of the boat. The rest of the guys stayed in. But Peter, a man of faith and action, stepped out from where he was to go to Christ, to be a part of what Jesus was doing. He was the only man besides Jesus Christ that was able to defy the laws of gravity and walk on the very thing trying to pull him down. He was a man of faith and action. It was Peter that declared to Jesus, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll go with you unto death. Even in Matthew 26 and 35, Peter said, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. And within an hour or two, he denied him three times. All the time jumping into stuff before he thought. It was Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane that whipped out his sword and he cut the ear off of Malchus, the servant of the high priest. By the way, that was the last creative miracle that Jesus did before he hung on the cross. When he picked up, I don't know if he could find the ear. It was dark. It was probably in the leaves. He probably couldn't find it. But he restored an ear. You ever wonder why it was his last hearing? Last, because hearing is so important. Because faith cometh by hearing. And that was the last creative miracle that he did. Was to put the ear back on Malchus. It was Peter that reached out and took out this, took this man by the hand to lift him up at the gate called Beautiful. It was Peter that stood there on the colonnades there at the beautiful Herod's temple. And there he witnessed and proclaimed Christ. And 3,000 people got saved that very day that this man was healed. It was Peter that had the boldness to stand in front of the authorities of the day without reservation and proclaim the goodness of God in the face of death. Peter was a man of faith and action. But when you look at John, John was a little emotional. (laughs) Peter just jumped into it. John, you know, he was a little more emotional about it. John, he was a man of love and compassion. But John also had anger issues. He was ready to call fire down on a village there because they wouldn't receive Jesus. So he he and James, James' brother, they were... They were a little more emotional type. But John was a man of love and compassion. That's why they nicknamed James and John the sons of thunder. Because they were so labile with their emotion. John was also the youngest of the disciples. He was a man of love and compassion. He was the one that actually heard the heartbeat of Christ. The only man on earth that laid his head on the breast of our Savior and actually heard the heartbeat of God. He was a man of love and compassion. He was the one that Jesus of the seven statements of the cross spoke directly to John and said, Behold thy mother. From that hour the disciple took her unto his own house. He was the one that Jesus entrusted his mother with to take care of after he was crucified. John was a man of love and compassion. 
And for three and a half years, these two characters walked with Jesus. They listened to the words of Christ as he expounded on the scriptures and corrected their misunderstanding. They witnessed the miracles that Jesus did. They participated in the miracles that Jesus did, like the feeding of the 5,000. You know, think about it. How would you like to have been one of the disciples that day, feeding the 5,000? Jesus took the bread and blessed it and the fish, blessed it and gave it to them. And he just walked out, and the disciples gave him a piece of bread. Here you go, here you go. Where's your plate at? Here you go. And as soon as he gave him a piece of bread, it grew back in his hand. Hmm. Now, I was being a little mischievous, Pastor, if it was me. I would have taken a whole row of them and I'd gone. <laughs> just to see how fast it'd grow back. <laughs> see if I could out. But you can't outgive the Lord. Let me tell you that. You can't give it out fast enough. It'll always come back to you. But these two guys were part of the inner surface, inner circle of Jesus. They were the ones that Jesus invited to go up on the Mount of Transfiguration where he met with Moses and Elijah. They were the ones that Jesus took into the room where Jairus' daughter had passed away and they witnessed the resurrection. They were the first ones to the empty tomb that day on the resurrection day of Jesus. And thank God he is alive forever. And let's read this story in John 20 in chapter 1. Or John chapter 20, verse 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. That was John. He was the beloved disciple. And saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they laid him. Peter therefore went forth and the other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came, to the fir- came first to the sepulcher. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and he went into the sepulcher and seeing the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also the other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and he believed. Now I need some volunteers. Corey, I don't think, is, is Mackenzie in here? Is she out? There she is. We're going to enact this. Mackenzie is Mary Magdalene. And she had come to the tomb. Where is he? The tomb was empty. And here I am, Peter. This is John. Mary's come up. Where's Jesus? Somebody stole him? He's missing. Is Jesus lost? He's lost. (laughs) Say it's not so. So, John, he hears this. He takes off like a bolt of lightning. And you follow us. And so, here I come in a little bit slower. There's John looking in. Mary's standing outside. Peter just pushes him out of the way and runs right in. 
Peter's a man of faith and action. John's a man. Wait a minute, Mary. You're not finished yet. Yeah, John quit misleading her. Don't don't lead her astray. You gotta watch John, you know. But John's a man of love and compassion. And Peter's a man of faith and action. Let me tell you something, folks. Love and compassion will get you to the door. But it's going to take faith and action. Step beyond the threshold. Into what God wants you to do. Love and compassion will get you so far. But it's going to take more than love and compassion. It's going to take faith and action to cross the threshold into the working of miracles that God wants you to do. Well, Mary stayed here. If you read on in verse 11, and we'll read that, and Peter and John kind of walked back and said, well, he's not there. I don't know where he is. You seen him? And so they were all dejected, and they walked. But Mary was standing there, and let me read it here. Let me read it. I didn't give the scripture here. But I just, can I go up a bunny trail? But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. And seeing two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had laid. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She said unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they laid him. Thank you, Mackenzie. You know, there's a lot of detail in this. I mean, why, why did God put all that detail in there? Specifically, they, they talk about them running, and this one goes first, and this one goes first, and now Mary, you know. They put all this detail in, and there's these two angelic beings, one at the head and one at the foot. Do you ever wonder about what are those guys doing there? Angelic beings. First time you see angelic beings is in the Garden of Eden. They're called cherubim or cherubs. Cherub is one, cherubim is two. I call them cherubim. I don't know if there were two or more. But remember in the Garden of Eden, God placed the angels there with the flaming sword to guard the way to the tree of life so that man couldn't break back in there and touch the tree of life and be fallen forever. Remember that? And if you follow these angelic beings, these cherubim, They're all the time guarding something. They're preventing man from getting close. They're standing in the way. And if you follow them throughout the scripture, the next time you see them is in Moses' tabernacle, the tabernacle in the desert. And there the cherubim is woven angelic beings into the fabric. And they're there woven into the veil as if they're guarding something, keeping man out. We're not letting you in. We're standing in your way. 
And if you get into the Holy of Holies, there they are again. There's a couple of another ones over the Ark of the Covenant, and they're guarding something there. Now you see them again at the time of the resurrection. And they're there in the garden too. Two angelic beings. But this time, they're not together. They are separated. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil was rent from the top to the bottom and the cherubim were separated, allowing us access into the presence of God. And now, even in the resurrection, you see the angelic beings there and they're separated. How far are they separated? Oh, about the distance of one man. For only one at a time can come into the presence of God. And only through the body of Jesus Christ. What you're witnessing here is the mercy seat in the risen tomb. The mercy seat with the angelic being separated. Where we can now have access to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Peter and John, man of faith and action and love and compassion. Here they were. Here they were. And now as you look at these two, here they are going to this gate called beautiful. They're going up at the ninth hour of prayer. And they're standing outside the gate called beautiful. Now let me tell you about this gate. When you look at Temple Mount, you'll see the eastern gate. And the eastern gate allows you to come into the court of the Gentiles. And that's where the colonnades were. But right in front of the eastern gate, there is the beautiful gate, which leads on into the house of Israel where you do the sacrifices, the inner part of the temple. And there, this gate is 45 feet tall. It's about twice the size, the height of this ceiling. And it's about 22 feet wide. And it's solid brass. Can you imagine a door that big of polished Corinthian brass, ornate, facing due east? Can you imagine when the sun would rise over the eastern gate and shine upon that huge brass door, how beautiful it was? Can you imagine the sun, the, the brightness of it? I don't even think Polaroids could dim the brightness of that gate as the sun was shining off. It had to be incredibly beautiful. It was awesome. And here, this beggar was brought and laid at the gate called Beautiful. Now, me personally, according to this, it said that Peter and John came up at the hour of prayer, which was about... Three o'clock in the afternoon, the ninth hour of prayer. The Jewish day doesn't start at midnight. It starts at 6 a.m. So at 9 was the third hour. 12 was the sixth hour. The ninth hour is about 3 p.m. And here they come up at the hour of prayer. And the hour of prayer at 3 p.m., I find it interesting, was at the same time that Jesus gave up the ghost at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It was the same time that the sacrifice was offered and received. So here they come up 
at the hour of prayer, which is at 9. You know, people pray, the Jewish people pray at 9, 12, and 3 because they're patterned after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because they prayed at different times, so they just prayed at all three times. But I challenge you today to pray at 9, 12, and 3. Just to take a minute, two minutes, three minutes, and right at 9, right at 12, right at 3, just offer up a prayer. And the gates of hell will be released against you. Because at 12 o'clock, the phone will ring. The stove will catch on fire. The dog will be after the cat. It'll be some sort of calamity always occurs when you make your mind up to pray at a certain time. There is always a resistance. There is always a resistance. People would code in my office. Something happened. It would be devastation every time. But I challenge you to just try it this next week and see what happens. So here it is, the ninth hour of prayer. And here comes Peter and John up to this beggar that's been laid at the gate, lame from his mother's womb. He had never stood. His legs were atrophied. He was probably just shrunken and shriveled up, laying there from his waist down, begging alms. You know, he never was given a name. He was always called the beggar. Huh. There are names in the Bible that are just there one time and are about that long. And I can't even pronounce them. But yet the Holy Ghost put that in the Word for some reason. But he never did name this beggar. In fact, there's a lot of people that were never named. The Gadarean was never named. The demoniac was never named. Right? All kinds of people were never named in the Bible. They were just known by what they were. Do you ever wonder why that was? It's because that's where I put my name. Because I was a beggar laying outside the gate. I was a Gadarean that needed deliverance. I was Jairus' daughter that needs resurrection. Amen? So anytime you see somebody not, not named in the Bible, just put your name in there. Because I need that as well. So here this beggar is laying outside the gate, and he's looking for some money. It's an hour of prayer. He knows people are coming to the temple. They're coming to the beautiful gate. And can you imagine the contrast? Can you imagine this beautiful, ornate gate? It's absolutely gorgeous. And here's a beggar laying outside the gate. Now, I don't think he was there at 9 o'clock in the morning. The sun was too bright. It was too hot. I don't think he was there at noon because the sun, like the Florida sun, is going to beat down on him. He'll be too hot. But I believe he got there about 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon so he could catch the 3 o'clock crowd coming in. And I believe when you look at that, by that time the sun was already setting in the west and he was in the shadow of the temple. How many people in Inverness for 40 years have been living in the shadow of the temple and not crossing the threshold to get in? 
How many people have been bound and are unable to go for whatever reason, for sickness, for disease, for depression, for, for mental problems, for any situation, for addiction. They're just bound up and they can't rise and walk and they can't get up. But yet they're trying to get as close as they can and they're content to sit in the shadow of the temple. And people walk by them all the time. People walk right by them like Peter and John probably walked by them many times and because of the beauty of everything didn't even see the man that was in the shadow. God help us and give us eyes to see. The Bible said he'd been crippled since his mother's womb. And over in Acts in chapter 4 it said he'd been above 40 years that he'd been this way. 40 is an interesting number in the Bible because it is a number of preparation. For 40 days, Jesus was in the desert of temptation, preparing for something, gestating for something. For 40 days, Moses was on Mount Sinai getting the Ten Commandments. He came back, he broke them, had to go back and get another set. Amen? For 40 days, they were held up. The children of Israel with David, or excuse me, with Goliath, holding the armies of the living God up for 40 days. 40 is a time of gestation. For 40 days, Jesus, after the resurrection, walked on the earth. So it's a time of preparation. It's a gestational period. Don't you find it interesting what the gestational period of a human being is? How many weeks? Huh. It's a time that something's about ready to be birthed. This man had been sick for over 40 years. That tells me he was overdue for a miracle. It tells me that it, when it comes to healing, it doesn't matter how long. It doesn't matter how bad. It doesn't matter how deep. It doesn't matter how serious or how involved. Because the Lord can heal it all. He can heal it all. And we are not to give up. So here comes Peter and John walking at this man. And he's holding his hand out trying to get some money from him. What he doesn't realize is not what's walking at him, but who is walking at him. That day, it wasn't just Peter and John. It was love and compassion and faith and action walking towards the beggar. And here comes love and compassion and faith and action up to this beggar that's laying in the shadow of the temple. And Peter looked at him and said, look on us. Well, where was he looking? He wasn't looking at them. They didn't get down in his face and say, what are you looking at? You know, we go film a lot over in Israel. It's uncanny. You'll set a film, a camera up, and you'll be filming. And somebody will walk right over in front of the camera and say, Are you all filming? <laughs> it's uncanny. It's the devil. <laughs> but here they were. And he said, Look on us. Because he probably was looking down with his hand extended up. You know, the first thing that faith in action said to this man 
was you got to look a different direction. You can't keep looking down. You can't keep looking at your problem. You can't keep looking at the pathology report. You can't look at the x-ray report. You can't look at the bank statement. You can't look at one another looking down on one another. You can't look at your current condition. you got to change the way you're looking and start looking up. Christ is saying, look up. Your redemption is drawing nigh. Stop looking down at the problem and look at the solution. Look up. Look up. I want you to understand something. Love and compassion was standing right there and didn't say a word. Love and compassion won't speak. I'm going to preach a little bit here. Love and compassion will get you where you need to go, but it won't say anything. It'll walk right by because it takes faith and action to go beyond what love and compassion will bring you to. It takes faith and action. So you see this man. You see this man, and he was expecting something. Let me tell you, when we reach out to God, when we reach out to Christ, we should be expecting something. Amen? And when we reach with expectancy, God will meet you with more than what you want. This man was looking for a little bit of money, but he got a whole lot more than that. He was expecting something from them, and he got healing and got deliverance. He got saved, literally. And we'll get into that. He was expecting something from them. At least this man was reaching up. He was reaching beyond his situation. He had his arm extended. And as he was reaching up, faith and action grabbed him. Whoa. Let me tell you, sometime when you least expect it, faith and action will grab you. And when Peter grabbed him, Suddenly, suddenly things started changing in his life. Suddenly, strength came into his legs. And the Bible says that he said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And immediately strength came to his legs. They were just vessels. All they had to do was make a connection between the power of God and this man and the virtue flowed through them and a miracle occurred right there. And suddenly strength came to his legs and muscles and sinew and bone stretched out and nerves started working. And a man that had never walked jumped up and he didn't just walk. He was like these young people. They were hipping and hopping. (laughs) Amen. They were jumping like grasshoppers. And I love it. That's the American version of what the Jewish people do. The Jewish people, they call it daubing. You know why? Because they want every part of their body to be worshiping the Lord. And when you see these people jumping and hipping and hopping, they're wanting every part of their body to be in worship to the Lord. 
their entire entity to be worshiping God. Let me tell you, love and compassion didn't touch this man. It was faith and action grabbed hold of him and lifted him up. And a miracle occurred when faith and action got a hold of him. The opulence of the temple didn't heal this man. The gate called beautiful didn't heal this man. The rituals that went on in the temple did not heal this man. Love and compassion brought him to the beggar. But it took faith and action and reaching beyond yourself to make contact with somebody that brought the miracle in their lives. What did Peter give this man? What was the purpose of him healing? Why did Peter, Peter heal this man? Why was this healing done? It wasn't just to demonstrate a miracle. It wasn't to demonstrate just the power of God. He healed him in a specific way. He could have made him wealthy to where he had never have to beg again. He could have done a lot of things. But when you look at what he said, he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. The purpose for his healing was to get him walking with them. The purpose of him being lifted up was to walk with him. I want you to understand this man was bound. He couldn't get up physically. But there are people bound spiritually, mentally, emotionally, on drugs and alcohol, and they're bound. They need to be delivered. They need to be lifted up. And we walk by them every day, love and compassion. People tell me all the time, oh, brother, pray for me. And I sometimes say, well, I will. And I never do. I forget it. It's love and compassion. But sometimes I say, let's just pray now. We're in the middle of Walmart in the aisle right there beside the little Debbie cakes. And they want me to pray for their diabetes. And I say, Lord, Debbie's no good for this guy. He's been the destroyer of many a good person. Let him not have any liking for Debbie. Little Debbie. No, but I pray for him. Why? Because I want the power of God to touch them and lift them up. This man at the gate called Beautiful. There was more that happened right there than a healing. We look at just a healing. But as a brother came up to me after the first service... He said, what happened with this man was he was born again. Everything in his life changed at that moment. He was born again. He was given legs. He could walk. And what did he do with that? He walked with the Lord. 
He walked into the temple, leaping and praising God. How many people in Inverness, how many people in the county are sitting outside the gate in the shadows right now and we're just walking by? Young people, I want you to stand up. Where are you? All three of you, stand up. You too, Otis. I challenge you. You're walking by people in your schools. You're walking by people in your classes. They may be the famous jock that everybody likes, but inside they're broken. They may be the most popular girl in school, but inside they're lonely. I challenge you to treat them with love and compassion. I challenge you with faith and action to walk up to them and say, such as I have, give I thee. Why don't you come and walk with me to Calvary? Why don't you come and walk with me into the presence of God where your life will be changed forever? It's up to the Spirit of the Lord to do it, but it's up to you to make contact. God will change things if you walk out in faith and action. Amen. I challenge you. You want to see the youth saved? Corey mentioned about a thousand people coming in. Well, it's going to take faith and action. Love and compassion will not do it. It'll get you there. But it takes the Spirit of God to open your eyes to see the ones that are in the shadow outside the temple that are bound. That are bound. That need to be delivered. You working people, you work beside people every day of your life. And they're just waiting for an invitation to come rise and walk with me. Get out of the place where you're at. And their lives will be forever changed and their eternities will be changed. You retired people, you walk through your neighborhoods. And there are people you're walking by every day that are in the shadow of the temple. That need just somebody to come by and say, such as I have. Well, frankly, I don't have enough power in myself to reach somebody to raise them up. Or do I? Or do I? But I'm willing to stand out in faith and to try it. Because I don't raise them up. He raises them up. But he needs a contact. For somebody in faith and action to say, rise and walk. Walk with me. That's all Jesus wants. He wants to walk with you. People everywhere are saved. Everybody's saved. You go to church? No, but I'm saved. You do anything for God? No, but I'm saved. Well, I see you doing this, doing this, doing this, and I don't see much fruit in your life, but I'm saved. Well, I thought if you're saved, you was going to walk with him. Come on. I tell you, Christ looked at his disciples and said, come walk with me. He said to the rich young ruler, come walk with me. I think it's time we get people walking with us. Let's all rise here today. Father God, we praise you and we thank you, Lord. Lord, we see and understand some of the principles you're talking about here. Give us eyes to see, Lord, the ones that are in the shadow. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Give us the boldness that Peter had as we walk forward in faith. 
Lord, and I believe there'll be miracles as people touch people. It'll be unexplainable things that happen. Salvations, deliverance, bondage set free. Empower people today. For your glory.